Good morning, Lake Baldwin. It is a privilege to be with you. We are so grateful for y'all as a church uh, and as uh, partners with our ministry, we are so grateful. I'm here with my wife and her parents, and so we thank you for your partnership. Uh, Before uh, I read God's word, let's go to him and ask for him to shine his light on his word. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, would you incline our hearts uh, to your testimonies, uh, not to selfish gain? Uh, Would you open our eyes uh, to behold wondrous things from your word? Would you unite our hearts to fear your name and your name alone? And would you satisfy us this morning with your steadfast love that we might rejoice and be glad all of our days? Amen. Our scripture is in your bulletin. It's coming from the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 1, verses 14 through 34. Hear God's word. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the only one, the holy one of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him, and they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, And immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. So this morning, I want to ask you a question. Uh, What is your relationship with authority? And whether or not you've considered that question before, we all have a relationship uh, with authority figures in our life. Uh, Maybe it's a good relationship, maybe it's a bad relationship, but we all have a relationship with authority figures in our life. Uh, Maybe you've had a teacher who uh, taught out of impatience and cynicism, Or maybe you've had teachers who have taught out of patience and hope. 
Uh, maybe you've had uh, a boss who has led you or your team out of selfishness uh, or out of dishonesty. Or maybe you've had a boss who's led your team out of sacrifice and integrity. Uh, whatever your relationship or understanding of authority uh, might be, uh, what we see in our passage for today is that we all need authority and we all long for good authority. Uh, in his recent book, uh, James K.A. Smith uh, in 2019 wrote this book, On the Road with St. Augustine, A Real World Spirituality for Restless Hearts. And as he writes, he, he writes this about his work. It's a travelogue for the heart. It's a road trip with a prodigal referring to St. Augustine who has already been where you think you need to go. And in this book, one of these stops that he highlights is the, the pit stop of freedom, particularly freedom from authority or constraint. And as an illustration uh, for this desire uh, from freedom from authority, Smith uses the film Lady Bird. And in this film, we meet a young woman, a young woman who embodies this quest for freedom as escape. And Smith writes this, tired of the bored backwater, backwaters of Sacramento, bristling at the nagging authority of her mother, embarrassed by her father's lack of ambition, the young heroine refuses even the name she was given, the imposition that it is, demanding to be called Ladybird. This is just one of her acts of defiance as she chomps at the bit to get away to college, anywhere but Sacramento. One teacher asks her, is that your given name? She says, yes, I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Freedom is receiving gifts from yourself. Uh, now, whether or not you have a similar relationship to authority as Lady Bird does, uh, saying authority lies only in myself. I will name myself, I will make my own way. We all have a relationship uh, with authority. And what we see in our passage in Mark is that Jesus is that good authority that we all need and that we all long for. And we're gonna see this in a couple of different ways. Uh, we're gonna see it in two points. First, that he is the king over all of life. And secondly, uh, that this king's call transforms all of life. Now, the Gospel of Mark uh, is, even in the, the reading of our passage, you might have noticed, it is fast-paced, it is action-packed. Uh, unlike many of the Gospels we've been reading this season of Christmas, it doesn't have a birth narrative, it jumps right into his ministry, right into the action. And Mark is trying to get his listeners and readers to answer two questions. Who is this man, and what did he come to do? He's trying to position his readers to answer those two questions. Now Mark, he shows you his cards right in the first verse. He says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ, a confession found on the lips of his disciple Peter midway through the gospel. The Son of God, a confession found on the lips of a centurion at the very end when he witnessed the way in which Jesus died. These are the two things that Mark wants us to understand in his gospel. And he does that in a number of ways. Our passage begins with the announcement uh, that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, the first thing we might need to understand is what is meant by kingdom there. So often, kingdom is uh, referring to a geographical area. 
An obvious example would be the United Kingdom. And the borders or the reign of the United Kingdom only extend to their borders. It doesn't apply to Egypt or Russia. It only applies to the United Kingdom. Well, when scripture talks about kingdom, it's not referring necessarily to a geographical area. It's more referring to an activity. It's referring to God's rule and reign over all of life. This is what the kingdom of, of God is. And so that's where our passage uh, begins. In this passage, we see this reign, this rule extends to all of life. And the first place we see this is in verse 16 and 17. You can look in your bulletin or in your Bible or on your phone. It says this, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Right there, we see that he is king over our vocation. These men have been fishermen all their lives, and as Jesus calls them to follow him and be their disciple, he's calling them away from what they know their vocation to look like. Now for us, that may mean he's calling you to change vocations, but more likely what it's referring to with the, um, the emphasis of this passage is that our vocation, our job, is to be brought under the authority of Christ, his kingship in every area, how we treat our, our authorities, how we entreat, treat those under us, our coworkers, all of our relationship, all of our vocation is to be brought underneath his authority. The second thing we see uh, of how his kingship is for all of life uh, is for our relationships. Uh, he goes on and calls a soon-to-be disciples, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending the nets, and immediately called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with hired servants and followed him. They left their father. This is, again, a relationship that they've probably been in the family business working alongside their father their whole life. And Jesus' call on them is to redefine their relationship with family, redefine their relationship with these hired servants who had been more like business partners, coworkers that they've labored alongside all their life. Jesus is saying, you must bring all of your relationships underneath my authority. Next thing we see or next area of life is that he is king over our mind or king over our intellect, if you will. We see this uh, in the way in which Jesus uh, teaches in this passage. He's in the synagogue and it says they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Uh, that could also be said he taught them as one who thought this up. It's of the original. Uh, he is teaching as if what he is saying is equivalent to God's word. Uh, we have been going through uh, this semester with our freshmen at UCF, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And it's been a great study. I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know these freshmen. Uh, but it, you may recall in that uh, incredible sermon, Jesus will often say, you've heard that it was said, but I say to you equating his teaching, his word, with the very words of scripture, with the very words of God. We see this in other uh, parts of the gospel, uh, particularly in the gospel of John, when he's teaching, he'll say, truly, truly, I say to you, or verily, verily. Uh, that word there is amen, and amen. And he says that before he teaches. And that's significant uh, because what would happen is rabbis would go to different synagogues and they would teach 
and the leaders of that synagogue would listen and then at the end of teaching say, amen, this is true, this is trustworthy, this is good teaching. And what Jesus is saying is, I take away your right to judge whether or not my teaching is true. You can't pick and choose. I tell you beforehand what I say is trustworthy and true. You must submit your mind, your opinions, your intellect underneath my authority. This is the call of him as king. Uh, the next area we see that he uh, calls underneath his authority is uh, the spiritual life. Uh, this is quite a scene. Uh, I mean, I know we read through it really quick, but there's a man with an unclean spirit who shouts out in the middle of Jesus' teaching, uh, and he proclaims, um, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus' response is so simple. It simply says, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him, and they were all amazed. And this is important to see. They question among themselves, saying, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. They obey him. He has authority over these unclean spirits. And what this is showing is just as darkness must flee the authority of light, so Jesus' presence makes unclean evil spirits flee underneath his authority and presence. Now, maybe this is one of your first times back in church in a while, um, and I'm, I'm so glad uh, you're here, you're listening in, and you're maybe skeptical of what's going on in this passage uh, or unclean spirits, and while I don't have all the time uh, to go into and maybe answer the questions you might have uh, about the doubts of whether or not evil spirits exist or what's going on in, in demon possession, I will say this, if you have that come up in your heart, if you have those doubts come up, as many in our Western culture uh, would have, uh, as many pastors have invited their people, I would invite you to doubt your doubts. Question whether or not those doubts have been culturally formed. If I were preaching this passage in a Eastern context or Eastern culture, they probably would have much uh, greater doubt or concern about that call to leave family, to, to leave all that they would have known of, of family tradition and ties, that would have been more offensive and would have caused more doubts. So I would just invite you to question whether or not your doubts might be culturally formed. Now the last area uh, that we see that, that Jesus has authority or he's king over every area of our life is uh, our physical health. Um, we see this in his healing of Simon's mother-in-law. Uh, she lay ill with fever and uh, she, or he restored her uh, to the point where she was able to serve them. He has kingship over every area of our lives. And now, what's so important for us to see this morning is we often, uh, if you're like me uh, and you're human, uh, we often have certain areas in our life that are going well and certain areas that are not going so well. And so often we will invite God into those areas that aren't going so well and we'll ask him for help. We'll ask him for support. We'll ask him to come and fix that area. But what we won't do is invite him into these areas that we feel like are going well. Um, I want you to imagine that your life in all of its different areas are before you and you're sitting on, on a throne. And you have your career, you have your relationships, you have your entertainment, you have what you do uh, for pleasure. You have all of your different areas of life before you. And, and we typically say, Lord, would you come here 
but don't, don't meddle in this area. And what, what Jesus is showing and what scripture is teaching us from this passage is we are not to be the ones on the throne. In fact, we have to step off and bring every area of our lives before him who sits on the throne saying, Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Here is every area of my life and I submit it before you. That's a process we must do over and over and over again. The word we use to describe that is repentance. We must repent daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, bringing before him every area of our life over and over again to say, this must be under your good authority. That's our call. Um, one of my um, favorite quotes on, on this is from a theologian named Abraham Kuyper. And he says, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Every area is his, and therefore we must bring every area of our life to him. That's the first thing we see from this passage. The second thing is that this king, his call, transforms all of life. Uh, we see this in verse 17 where he says, and Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Now, a couple things to understand there. Uh, what is a, a fisher of men? Uh, what is he calling them to? Uh, so often, uh, we understand fishers of men to be referring to evangelism, sharing the gospel, preaching the truth, uh, and that is absolutely included in, in what's going on here. Uh, but there's also so much more. Uh, in the Old Testament, and also in, in the New, uh, the writers pick up on this, uh, the sea the ocean, the sea was a place of chaos, a place of disorder, a place of darkness, and a place of judgment. And so this will help us understand uh, what's being referred to uh, by being a fisher of men. I wanna look at one passage in the Old Testament very briefly uh, referring to this. It's in uh, the prophet Jeremiah, uh, verses 14 and 16. It says this, therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it shall no longer be said, as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them, for I will bring them back to their own land that I gave to their fathers. Behold, I am sending for many fishers, declares the Lord, and they shall catch them. And afterward, I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and every hill and out of the clefts of the rocks. What's going on in that passage? What the prophet Jeremiah is doing, what Jesus is picking up on, is to be a fisher of men, is to bring back God's people into the land that they were meant to uh, be a part of, the promised land. The promised land where life was meant to go well. And they had been driven into exile, and they had been... Uh, under the judgment of, of God. And to be a fisher of man is to go to every aspect of creation where the fall has gone and has affected in darkness, in sin, in death, in destruction, and to bring people back into the way that life ought to be, the way that God designed it. So that absolutely includes preaching the gospel. Uh, but it also includes so much more. And so in order to understand where and how that looks, we first need to understand who does this? Who is responsible for making this happen? Well, in Colossians 1.13, it says this, he, he has delivered, 
He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Uh, we so often run quickly to the how-tos. Okay, Hardy, how do I do this? What does this look like? Where do I need to do this? Uh, but I want to invite you just to ponder that truth, that it's he who will do it. In our passage, there's a promise. It says, um, I will make you become a fisher of men. It's Christ's responsibility. He's doing it. He promises to complete it in you. We are invited to participate. We're invited to seek his kingdom. I don't know if you've ever like, driven through uh, a neighborhood and seen a father out in the driveway washing his car. Um, sometimes the kids will join in on this activity and they'll be helping um, or seemingly helping and they'll have their buckets, uh, they'll be dropping their sponges in the dirt, they'll be wiping where it's already been cleaned and just smearing mud back on the car. Um, but so often those children are there by invitation of the father. Uh, they are there uh, because they want to be about the work that their father is doing. Uh, and, and so it is similar with the kingdom. Uh, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit invites us to participate in seeking his kingdom. But he doesn't need us. He doesn't need us to do that. He wants us. He wants us to join him in seeking his kingdom. And so we participate in the work that he is taking responsibility, that he has done, is doing, and promises to do. Now, there still are important questions of how. Where do we Go be fishers of men. And I think to understand that, uh, it's helpful to have a vision of, of what's promised. Where is this going? So one of my favorite passages is, is Revelation 21. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Now remember, the sea was no more. That's not saying there won't be any water or oceans in the new heavens and new earth. That is saying there will be no more death, no more destruction, no more judgment, no more sin. All of that will be gone. Why? Let's read on. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. He will do it. God is on the throne. He is the one who is doing it. And we are invited to participate. That informs the how and the where. And you, you heard the amazing uh, metaphors and promises there of what that will look like. Um, Andrew Peterson is one of my favorite singer-songwriters. You may be familiar. He's got a Christmas uh, concert called Behold the Lamb of God. And one of his songs is called After the Last Tear Falls. Uh, the lyrics go like this. After the last tear falls, after the last secrets told, after the last bullet tears through flesh and bone, after the last year that's just too hard, there is love. After the last disgrace, after the last lie to save some face, after the last brutal jab from a poisoned tongue, after the last dirty politician, after the last meal down at the mission, after the last lonely night in prison, there is love. 
what, what Peterson is picking up on and what Revelation 21 promises us is all of those sad things are coming untrue. And so what it means to be a fisher of men now, here, how we do that is to show up in those places. So to be a fisher of men is wherever there is grief, we as fishermen are to show up and to be comfort. Wherever there is slander, we as fishers of men are called to show up and to be a presence of honor. Wherever there's violence, we as fishermen are called to show up and be and pursue peace. Wherever there is lies, we are called as fishers of men to pursue truth. And wherever there is corruption, we as fishers of men are to be uh, men and women of integrity. And wherever there is sin, we as fishers of men are called to proclaim the gospel that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the beloved son. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege that you invite us to participate in seeking your kingdom through the work of your son who has delivered us into his kingdom, the kingdom of the beloved son. Uh, would you find us faithful uh, to seek your kingdom, uh, to do so uh, with joy and with creativity as we look for the ways in which um, things are not as they should be? And would you give us courage and find us faithful to show up in those places, to be fishers of men, to bring your kingdom and the good news of your gospel? We pray all of this in your powerful name. Amen.